So here we go, Life Jitsu, Art of Life, another episode. This time I want to talk about my martial arts journey, the people-building-ness of martial arts, the mindfulness. You know, the yogis, my friends in yoga, they've had a virtual monopoly, a virtual stranglehold on mindfulness, right? Corporate mindfulness, all of the mindfulness in the media. It's like the yogis are the authorities on, hey, 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 my yogi friends, I love you. You really helped me tremendously with this titanium plate in my neck and getting more flexibility, easing that tension and and helping me so much with the pain alleviation, the pain relief. Thank you so much. Yoga is a wonderful thing. I was doing yoga back when there were maybe two guys and 30 women in the class. I was doing it before it was cool, before it was in vogue, before it was fashionable with the men, before men were using it as a tool to pick up women. I was in that space. We're going back seven, you know, uh, 16 years ago. So, yogis, I love you, but you got to make some room under that mindfulness umbrella for the other Jedis, the martial artists, who walk the same walk and who encounter the same things the same mindfulness, we just haven't been as vocal about it. It's all part and parcel. It's like Zen, the the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Very famous book. You can find Zen in anything. You can find mindfulness, consciousness, awakening in anything. And especially that martial arts rabbit hole, which I've been down for 32 years. So, that mindfulness thing. I say to people, listen, the top people builders for the thing for kids, what should you get your kids into? You talk about, hey, how can a kid hit the lottery? Well, first of all, you can get lucky. You can you can have the you can get lucky with your parents if you born in the right zip code, right? And then the odds the kid turns out good, pretty good. You hit that parental lottery. Maybe if you don't hit the parental lottery, you get lucky with a coach. Maybe you get lucky with your faith, your religion, your faith in God, something greater than you. That's a wonderful thing. But outside of those, you fall through the cracks. You didn't hit the parental lottery. Maybe you don't feel God's presence in your life. You're lost. Kid's rough around the edges. Kid's insecure. Kid doesn't have a sense of purpose. Get him in martial arts, specifically a wrestling or a jiu-jitsu. Something like that. A great people builder. Because to me, when I talk about the mind jitsu, jitsu, Japanese for art of, art of mind, art of mindset, mindfulness, thinking, the art of thinking, that's the mind jitsu. And to me, other than a great parent, a great mentor, other than faith in God, something greater, you want a people builder, you want want to teach that kid how to think because kids are monkey see, monkey do. You show them things, and a lot of them, if they, if they have the skill, they'll just repeat it. They'll just do it. They'll follow your example. But they don't, they're not abstract thinkers usually. They don't think three steps ahead, five steps ahead, ten steps ahead, cause and effect in, in that way. So what jujitsu does is, by accident, the kid doesn't even realize they're learning the chess game of life. The kid doesn't realize they're learning to think three steps ahead, five steps ahead, ten steps ahead, it's incidental. 
it's very subtle, and yet the kids are learning the chess game alive. They're learning that forward thinking that you need as an entrepreneur, that you need to build a good life. You need Olympians thinking what? Quadrennials, four-year cycles. Entrepreneurs thinking, and business people, serious business people thinking what? Five-year cycles. You need those kids thinking in longer-term cycles. When you say, what is your purpose, right? Identifying the target, most important thing. Well, you got to think, you got to have foresight. You've got to be able in this world to think multiple moves ahead. The more moves ahead, the better. And that's where something like jiu-jitsu, because there are just so many variables, so many variables to juggle, especially with the gi. I love no gi. I love no gi jiu-jitsu, meaning without the pajamas, without the gi uniform. There's the no-gi game, which is quicker and favors um, someone who might be more athletic in the scrambles. But then there's the gi, which can be a slower game at times if someone gets their grips. But the gi, yes, it's not as practical for self-defense unless you're living in, unless you get in a fight in the winter somewhere with a, a winter jacket on or something. But But the value of that gi is that there's so many more variables. And your brain is forced to juggle more variables. And I think it makes you a better thinker. And that's why I think the best, the best athletes in, 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 in the grappling sports, the best people, the no-gi, the ADCC, et cetera, submission grappling, are the best people in the gi. The Hoffa Mendeses, the Marcelo Garcias, the, um, you know, the Lucas Lepreys, the JT Torreses, they're phenomenal gi and no-gi. And, um, and by and large, that's what you see because intellectually really challenges you. So for me, the, 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 the fight sports are about so many things, the mindfulness, the poise under pressure, the grace under pressure, dealing with defeat, dealing with rejection, dealing with failure, being humbled, being beaten up, Having a gut check, being humiliated sometimes, sometimes a humiliating loss or a humiliating moment on the mat does happen, embarrassing times. Remember my first time I missed, I missed weight once in my career. I had 300 plus matches. I've always made weight. I missed weight one time in my career. I was a freshman in high school and I was, I only had three matches to my name. So I'd only had three wrestling matches. And then I think it was my fourth or fifth wrestling match. I got bumped up to varsity. We were top 10 in the state of Maryland. I got bumped up to varsity, which was an honor. It's flattering, right? Oh, Frank, we're bumping you up to varsity. We're putting you against the kid who's ranked number one in the state, a senior. Super athletic, super strong guy. So you've got three or four wrestling matches to your name, and we're putting you against the kid who's number one in the state of Maryland high school, a senior. And my coach's advice was, Frank, just don't get pinned. Just don't let it pin you. And if you don't let it pin you, the, the other team will only get five points instead of six. That will help our team. Maybe we'll win the dual meet. We were basically the number one team in the state, Southwestern at the time. Number one in the state, too. So, it's a big match. So, I step on the scale. I believe the weight class was 128, I believe. And I'm a freshman. And I was overweight. So they're, they're playing the game on the scale. And they're, back then it was not a, a digital or electronic scale. They were they had to manually push it. So they kept pushing it, and I was overweight. So, of course, I, being a freshman, I tried to fake. Like, 
oh, I had no idea I would be overweight. What could happen? How could that be? And uh, and, and then so my, some of my teammates were like, well, we saw Frank at lunch, and he was eating this and this. Looked like he had a big lunch, and they just called me out and called me on my BS and so embarrassed. They were right. I chickened out. I was scared. I was scared to face that number one kid in the state. I was overweight that one time, only time in my career, and I failed my teammates. I disappointed my teammates. We lost the meet. And I had to live with that shame, that humiliation, that embarrassment. And that taught me a valuable lesson. I was I was a coward in that moment. It taught me a valuable lesson. I was just I always made weight. Making weight was huge. I I never missed weight again, ever again, the next 300-plus matches. And uh, when I went out there, I was game to face and battle anybody. When I stepped on that mat, I believed I could beat anybody, or else why even show up, I say. You're not there to just moral victories. You're there to win. You're there to slay Goliath. You're there to find a way. So, so many great lessons, the poise under pressure, learning how to, and you think about things like controlling your breath. I went swimming today. And I love swimming because swimming forces you, forces me to really be attuned to my breath. It, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm a terrible swimmer. And so when I'm in the water, I'm not efficient. I don't float. Everything's very hard for me in the water. It's very humbling. People next to me are very heavy and old, and everybody beats me in the pool. And that's embarrassing, and that's humbling. And yet, it's so valuable for me because I have to breathe. And I really have to focus so much on my breathing. And it's interesting because breathing is not a metaphor for life. It's the the most simple thing. It should be the most simple thing. It's the most basic thing, right? At the end of the day, when you think of human needs, your number one need is oxygen. That's it. You don't get that. It's not love. It's not... It's not even food. Oxygen takes precedence over everything. So breathing is life. Taking in that oxygen. And the quality of our breathing has such a big impact on our life, on our efficiency, on your cardiovascular, on your brain's calm, on your ability to stay poised or to freak out. If your breathing is frantic and your breathing is out of control and it's up in the 70-some percent, 80-some percent, 90-some percent, it's going to be hard to think. It's going to start to cloud judgment. Try it sometime. Get on a treadmill or a Stairmaster and go at 80, 90 percent and try to read. Try to read something complicated especially. It's really hard. I mean, it's, you know, good luck doing that for more than a few minutes. That breathing is so attuned. Breathing, it's like if you ever lay next to someone you love and you, and you lay next to them, and you know, in this moment, time just stands still, and you can just feel their heartbeat, and you can feel, usually they're they're relaxed, usually, right, unless there's, you know, unless something passionate was going on, I mean, they're relaxed, because they're relaxed with you, they're comfortable with you, and, and you're getting a sense of, of who they are, a sense of their heart, their heartbeat, right? And that breathing, even if you look at people, and if you're an athlete and you look at, hey, am I overtraining, right? You can, if you're overtraining a lot, you're going to start to have diminished performance. You're going to burn out your CNS, and that's going to hurt you long term. It's a very important thing is peaking and periodization cycles. 
So one of the things you can do is you check that heart rate, you monitor the heart rate daily, every morning, a resting heart rate, and that can tell you a lot about are you recovering, are you having trouble recovering, um, do you need more rest, etc. Your heart rate tells you a lot. Your breathing, your quality of breathing, that's the reason that they recommend you count to 10, you're going to freak, you're going to freak out about something, you're in a very stressful situation. Breathing is huge, and yet most of us in the course of the day don't pay that much attention to it. It's such an afterthought, and yet it's so huge, and it can change your life. I mean, learning to master your breath, your breathing, learning to breathe at different rates, learning to breathe through tough situations, stressful situations, exhausting situations, scary situations, so that you can keep your mental wit, so that you can stay mentally sharp, so you can continue to recognize the situation like a fighter might have to or an entrepreneur and keep your calm so that you can continue to read the situation and react and make good decisions. Because once you panic, you're not going to use your intellect. You're not going to make intelligent decisions. You're not going to do a good job of reading the situation. So every time I'm in the pool, it's, it's yin and yang. It's It's awesome, and at the same time, it's terrible because I suck. And I don't go very far, and I can't swim that much, and I'm hugely inefficient. And yet it forces me to focus, to connect on my breathing, and to improve my breathing. So it's a wonderful opportunity. And that's that's what the martial arts are are just so great for, just building the confidence. And again, I always say to some people, to build you, I mean, if it took 20 years to mess you up. It might take 20 years to fix you. You've got to be in it for the long term. Same way a martial artist, I mean, for the vast majority of people, they're not going to become Joe or Jane butt kicker tomorrow. It's a process, and it can take years. And even when you've trained as long as I have, 32, 33 years, you're not invincible. I mean, there are all kinds of things can happen. I get out there, and it's interesting at when I go somewhere, I mean, let's say I was at Whole Foods the other day, and I'm in the grocery aisle, I'm in the produce aisle, and I'm looking at the bananas and kale, and this guy starts talking to me, and start talking about martial arts, he saw I had a shirt on, and he said, ah, tell me about that, so we started talking about the martial arts and the UFC and everything, and I said, well, you know, the the ground at Whole Foods, it's, it's this marble hard floor, right, slippery, and I was thinking, look, a good martial artist, even when you're having a great day, you notice things like that. I notice the floor, the surface, what's what's wet. Am I wearing dress shoes? You have to pay attention. I mean, you don't want, if you get into a, a physical altercation, you have to be aware. I Yes, I'm a ground fighter, but you're going to be rolling around on that very unforgiving, harsh surface. Concrete could be slippery. You can hit your head. You can hit your shoulder. Even if you slam somebody, even if you get into a fight and you slam somebody, I'm probably going to come down, my knee or my elbow or something's going to hit, even slamming them. So now I've got some calcium deposit in my knee, which has happened before. I've gotten into a street situation many, many years ago and slammed a guy, and then uh, there was like calcium, like bone, loose in my knee for, for like a year and a half. Terrible. You can easily break your hand on someone's head. You could you could even be so tough in a self-defense situation, you, you knock the the guy out defending yourself, and then 
Well, you knock him out. That means he's knocked out in the air, and then he's still got to fall. He's going to hit what? Concrete? He's going to hit what? That asphalt? He's going to hit the that that surface, that, that marble surface? What's going to hit his shoulder, then his head? And that's the scariest thing. If you've ever seen that, if you've ever seen those kind of fights, that's the scariest thing. Even when you, you see people fall and they get knocked, that's horrible. Terrible. You don't want to see that. And so when you have all that in your mind, you realize, you scan situations, you realize, man, let's, let's diffuse situations. Let's, let's turn enemies into allies. Let's be friendly. Let's not get in anything because you don't win. Any way you shake it, you don't win. Right? No matter what. If you win, you don't win. And, of course, if you lose, you get jumped or you get stabbed. I mean, if, if people knew, like you look at these, these great knife fighters and go on YouTube and look at some of the knife attacks. I mean, it's just vicious. You could, there's like the femoral artery and the artery down near your groin, and you just get one slice there. You'd be done. you bleed out. It doesn't take much. We are much more fragile than we think, and the fight sports teach us that, that, yes, you could be David to someone's Goliath. You always have a chance. If you're someone trained like me, you can surprise the heck out of a lot of people. They would not know the big... 250-pound bully, 300-pound bully, might not know what someone like me, 140 pounds, might not expect what's coming back at them. Sometimes multiple attackers in a physical confrontation with a much smaller martial arts might not expect what's coming back at them. It can be devastating. You can generate a lot of power. You don't have to be all that big. You can generate a lot of power. So... I've seen a lot of crazy things, but it, it just makes you want to avoid situations. It makes you realize that there's no winning. You never go home. You never feel good about it. But martial arts is just a wonderful experience. And like I say, it's not something you can read. You have to do it. it it's too many people now are, do you read this book? And I love reading. I love reading so much. I'm a voracious reader. I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. But there's no substitute. People say, oh, I read this and I read this. I'm like, ah, you read it. I live it. I live it, and when you live it, it's so much deeper. It hits you so much deeper in the DNA. You're such a, you're a richer teacher when you live it. Oh, I saw this movie, and can you then forget the movie? And that's why I see so many speakers, and they're and they're and they're always wanting to quote someone else and talk about someone else's story. I'm like, do you have any of your own stories? People think I'm egotistical. Like, oh, you know, you have every story is about you, and you have a big ego. No, I've just lived an interesting life. Get out there and live life. Stop reading about everybody else. Stop regurgitating. Stop imitating. Start living your own life, authoring and designing your own life, and you'll have a lot of your own stories or stories of things you actually witnessed, not just something you read in a book and, and coming off, firing off quotes you saw on Facebook. What would you do if Facebook and social media didn't exist? Hopefully you'd still be out there thinking, the art of thinking, working, building your brain. Maybe even surrendering to something higher and greater, what I would call God, and saying, hey, work through me. Incredible power. Try it sometime. There's a lot you can figure out in the quiet of your own conscience. Away from everything, turning everything off, you'd be amazed sometimes. The yin, the yang. The books are great. They're wonderful. They can shorten learning curves. They can awaken you. But you still got to live it. Because you can't really teach it as well unless you've lived it. That's the thing. The martial artists, so blessed. I needed that life 
And again, it has to be balanced. The warrior, you got to have the warrior poet, that balance, that yin, that yang. But that mindfulness thing, and I'm not saying everybody has it because there's fighters and then there's martial artists, right? There's a difference. The martial artist has more of that consciousness, that conscientiousness, that awakening, that mindfulness. And the fighter just really tough, hardworking, but not thinking deeper down the rabbit hole, maybe not thinking five, ten steps ahead. Maybe not a Jedi, but tough, tough as nails, hard worker. And the artists are more rare, the martial artists. They're the ones that have the mindfulness, the ones that are the artists. Too. Martial artists, that's a yin and yang too, martial artists, war art. The combination of, you know, art and science, the blend, yin and yang, force and flow, both pulling from both sides. So I think a lot about about that and everything that you learn. And there's also the intimacy of the martial arts. And when I say that word, I don't mean that word in the conventional uh, word. We tend to think of that word as guy, girl, and whoever, lovey-dovey, whatever. And it's not that. It's just that the, the, the sense of touch is huge in, in, in the martial arts. And we get closer to people. We can feel more of their energy. We can feel all of their fight. We can feel everything in them. Because we're wrestling, we're entangled, we're grappling, we're trying to control them. You're up there close to their breathing. You're, they're sweating on you. You're sweating on them. You can feel them break or give, quit, everything. Or you can feel them fight. So there's a very, the sense, a very visceral sense. It's a very, it's a very deep sense of, of touch. And it breaks down barriers. It builds bonds. It's quick friendships. Because you cut through the BS, and in five minutes you feel comfortable. So, hey, let's go get dinner. Hey, but next time you come to the to the states, you can stay at, my, at our house. Whatever we have an extra room, whatever. Because you just people bond quick. Cut through the BS. There's not the thing I've always loved about um, our sports is that there's no you know the fight game is not it's not usually a who you know business. It's a meritocracy. Right? You can shortcut your way in business and who you know and your connections and you can even BS your way, you can BS your way into deals, you can trick people in negotiations. It's it's hard. The fight sports in general in general are very honest. People who've been around a long time, very honest. You get you get out what you put in. You can't just BS or finagle your way to the top. You gotta put the work in. There's not there's no shortcuts. Whether you're the richest person in the room or the poorest, there's you're all going to be doing the same push-ups, the same sit-ups, the same sprints, the same wall drills, the same takedowns. You're all going to be pushed to the brink where quitting sometimes every now and again is going to cross your mind. And it forms those bonds, lasting bonds, lasting friendships, mutual respect. Even when you have a heated session, you a lot of times heated, heated training sessions with people. I have a friend right now, training with him for years, we really couldn't stand each other. I mean, we've trained for years and had some good battles for five, six years, intense battles, and and now you can just see in his eyes when he sees me out, and I see him. There's a deep respect there, like thank you, thank you so much for pushing me and and for just being there and sharing knowledge and and hey, I, I understand you were just a competitor. I understand. I don't hate you, and you don't hate me. And how's your family? And and you tell your, you know, you can just 
talk about diet, nutrition, whatever. There's a bond there. There's a respect there because we both showed up every day. We put the work. It's not an easy life. Half the time you train, you don't even feel like training. But it's just a way of life. It's a code. So I recommend it now. A lot of people are flocking there. I think I was one of the first 3,000 or so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, probably tenfold or more now around the world. Still a, a fra- tiny fraction, tiny decimal of the human population, but certainly they're more and more and more, especially here in Vegas, the fight capital of the world. But the fight sports are spreading, and people are realizing the power, the people-building power of fight sports. I mean, yoga, I love you. I highly recommend yoga if you have any spinal conditions. It's helped me. I mean, flexibility is a really undervalued thing for older men. I mean, especially lose that flexibility. And it's for if you want to reduce your injuries, if you want to reduce your pain later in life, right? When you've got 32 years, 33 years in, in the fight game like I do, you got a lot of things, a lot of injuries that, that, that racked up. So. I don't want to be on painkillers or anything. I don't want to be in constant pain. I don't want to be limping. So I do, I mean, when I go to work out now every day, I probably spend 20, 30 minutes, yeah, 20 minutes, 25 minutes a day stretching and some days more. It's huge to my recovery. It's huge to pain alleviation. And just my mentality, like I said, with the breathing and everything, it just, it helps to keep me relaxed. Those relaxed. My muscles aren't tense. I'm very relaxed, and it just it helps. So breathing, basics of life. You want to work on your breathing. Be mindful of it in every situation. You're driving, deep breath, tough situations, deep breaths. Control your breathing. Play around with it. You're in the swimming pool. Be mindful. Focus on that breathing. And breath is life. You're, how you're breathing, if you notice you're not breathing deep, if you notice you're not breathing steady, take note. You control the breathing, you control the mind. The mind will come in. You have controlled breathing, you slow the pace of the breathing, the mind will slow down. The mind will become more clear. So I got to run into a Thai restaurant. I got a friend here, guy, uh, European guy, very successful in the tech business and an interesting guy. We usually have pretty good philosophy discussions, so I'm going to go and, and do that. I doubt he want me to record it right now, so... One day we'll have him on, though. But Life Jitsu, Art of Life, www.frankieforza.com. Inquiries, feedback, comments, hate mail, love mail, whatever. Frankie at frankieforza.com. would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your support. Join me. I mean, there's just too much staleness, too much sameness, too much same old, same old, too much superficiality out there. I've been doing this, the art of conversation, the art of thinking, interesting things interviewing people for, you know, whatever, well over a quarter century. This is what I do. This is what I love. I need your support. I'm grateful for your support. Help me build. Join me. And let's do this. Life Jitsu, Art of Life. See you again next time. Thanks so much.